up to John chapter <clears throat> John chapter 12. I want to read verse 27 down through verse 48, a little bit lengthy portion uh, today, but I uh, want to take a look at that, um, and uh, I, I want to uh, just uh, speak to you concerning the subject of uh, the blindness of unbelief. So John chapter 12, verse 27, down to verse 48, if you would. Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now this is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that as I said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest uh, they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would add your uh, blessing and help to the word as it has been read. We pray that this seed would have its effect in the hearts of the hearers today, that each one of us would allow the Word of God to uh, sink deep in our heart and that it would germinate and that it would bear fruit in our lives. We pray, Lord, that 
your Holy Spirit would do the part that we can't do. Uh, Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the uh, unction and take the word and uh, take the occasion and take the place. And we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do miracles today in our lives. We ask that uh, those that are without Christ would be drawn to Jesus today and would be saved. And I pray for those of us that uh, need to um, heed his word to walk in the light while we have light, that we would walk in the light. Pray, Father, for those of us that already believe that you would help us to be bearers of light. We ask your blessing on the reading of thy word now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are able, let's remain standing for our welcome hymn. We'll sing a verse of the hymn and then turn around and shake hands with those nearby you. For our, uh, our uh, assisted living ministries, too, we have four homes that Brother Schmidt and others are, are involved in going into. And so if you want to be involved in the uh, outreach for assisted living ministries, see Brother Stan Schmidt. Raise your hand, Brother Stan. He's our preacher that uh, heads up that ministry. And so um, he's uh, being a blessing to us. They're running around. Uh, 50 people that come in the different, uh, uh, as total in the different number of, in the different homes that they're involved in, different assisted living places. So uh, another, uh, another wonderful opportunity to serve the Lord uh, in a, in a um, remarkable way, see, see folks coming to Christ as well. So take your Bible if you uh, aren't there yet to John 12, and let's take a look at this uh, subject of the blinding unbelief. Uh, we saw last week the Lord Jesus uh, as he uh, entered into his last week on the earth and, and uh, uh, began that, uh, that period of time which is the greatest trial of his life. And you can see it as he struggled with it here as he said uh, in his mind, uh, should I ask the Father to spare me from this hour? And he concluded, no, that's the purpose I came to this an hour for this time for this season for, and so it's a uh, uh, it is a uh, a great uh, uh, struggle in the heart of our Lord to recognize that the time is coming where He would become sin for us and that He would give Himself a sacrifice for the sins of many, and so it is uh, it is coming upon us. Blinded unbelief, though, is what we want to want to focus our uh, thoughts on as we look through that passage today. In your hymn book, you'll have many hymns that you see written by Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was blinded as a young girl uh, by a uh, poultice that was put on her eyes for just a, an infection of some sort that uh, was put on wrong, and and a, a, a country doctor that wasn't. Uh, uh, trained well enough, uh, ended up causing her blindness, and so. But she was a child of God, and and uh, she did not let her blindness hinder her at all. She uh, wrote him after him after him uh, as she gave praise and glory and honor to the Lord in her life. She was asked sometimes uh, about her blindness and you know how how it was and how she coped with it. And, uh, how she felt about it, and did she wish she uh, could have her sight back again, those kinds of questions. But her uh, answer was always something similar. It was always along the lines of her concern was not for physical blindness, her own physical blindness, but she was more deeply concerned and hurt and grieved by those that were spiritually blind, those that had eyes but couldn't see, you know. And though she did not have eyes, she could see. And so we're looking at uh, those kind of folks as we read down through here today. We saw 
We saw it last week as well. We saw the blindness, the blinded. We saw Judas, and when he was blinded, uh, as he was blinded by his own greed and ambition, evil people are willing to do uh, terrible things when they're driven by greed and how greed blinds us to what's right and what's wrong. So it was with this man, Judas, the greed for riches or the greed for control. They're both blinding influences in anyone's life, you know. Greed and control, the desire for being rich, the desire to have control, the 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 prideful sense of greed. There's so many ways which greed blinds the eyes of those that are caught up in that evil, in that sin of greed. We saw that in Judas. Then we looked at the chief priests last week and the Pharisees, how they were blinded by their religion. They had a notion about what religion ought to be and when Jesus Christ came on the scene, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, they just couldn't accept it because their notions of religion were so powerful, so deeply embedded, so strong that they couldn't accept the truth that stood before their eyes. Religion emphasizes experience, overemphasizes experience, and underemphasizes the truth. Emotion and feeling are part of our being and they're part of what occurs in the life of faith but when emotions and feeling become the focus and take precedence that's when religion blinds us when feeling and emotion becomes more important than the truth that is behind the faith that we have that's what we're talking about religion uh, as you look at it generally speaking religion tends to focus on what man can do, where real faith puts its focus on glorifying God. And so uh, that's where our focus ought to be this morning. And that's, that's what was missing here. The, uh, the blinded were blinded because the focus was in the wrong place. And years ago in Tucson when I was growing up, um, you know, the marijuana was, was just... Uh, becoming very popular among young people and so forth. It wasn't nearly as potent and powerful as it is today. But um, a couple of uh, teenagers that were in my era, I didn't know them personally, but in my era as a teenager were, got high and, and uh, got to, got to uh, thinking about, uh, you know, light. And, and uh, it, was a, it was a spring of the year, and so uh, they were both quite high. And uh, they talked each other into going out and just staring at the sun. They laid down in the grass uh, there in a field, and they just both stared at the sun because they were out of it. They were high. And they stared at the sun long enough that both of them became permanently blind. It was an article in the newspaper, and uh, uh, the sadness of that, uh, of that uh, situation, two young men with their lives before them burning their eyes out because they're staring at the sun. And that's what was happening here with these Pharisees and these uh, uh, chief rulers, they were staring at the wrong thing. Uh, they were blinded by religion. They were staring at their notions, their conceptions of what religion should be and uh, the man focus of it and what man can do. That was, the, that was what they were looking at and so were blinded. But uh, verse 28 makes it clear, Father, glorify thy name. Uh, glorify thy name. That was the 
focus that Jesus Christ had on the earth, that he would glorify the Father's name. And that certainly ought to be our focus, to glorify God. The focus ought to be to lift up Jesus Christ. You know, we, we uh, need to be careful uh, not to elevate men above the station that uh, they should have. We need to be careful not to uh, put men on a pedestal of some sort that honors them uh, to a degree that they should not be honored. <laughs> and it is easy to do that, isn't it? But the focus here is the lifting up of Jesus Christ. In verse 32, we read, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, this he said, signifying what death he should die. And so the focus that we ought to have is lifting up Jesus Christ. That ought to be where our faith rests in Jesus Christ and uh, not in our religion. And so it is lifting up Jesus Christ. In fact, the book of John mentions uh, 20 times in some context or another, in some form or another, the lifting up of Jesus Christ. And in every one of those 20 occurrences in the book of the Gospel of John, it, it has to do with the lifting up of Christ on the cross, on the cross of Calvary. John 12 and verse 32 where we read it says, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. All people are drawn to the cross of, Je of Jesus Christ. All of them. I will draw all men unto There's a drawing that takes place. The Holy Spirit sees to that. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So this is the drawing of the cross of Jesus Christ on all men. Now, uh, there is the there is the two sides of the cross there, aren't there? On the one side is the dying thief who has rejected Christ and who's entering into the scorn of Christ and who's mocking and, and, and jeering at him even though he himself is condemned to death. He's jo joining with those who are mocking and jeering uh, around the cross. It's the, it's the unbelieving thief. It's the dying thief on that side. We'll... We'll call it the left side of the cross. But on the other side, on the right side of the cross, is another thief, and he initially enters into the same jeering and ridicule, but in looking on the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing him, something takes place in this one thief on the right in his heart, and something happens in his heart, and he's recognizing now that this man has been unjustly crucified and he's realizing now that there's something more to this man than there is to any man he's ever known or seen and as some are identifying him around the cross maybe it's Mary the mother of Jesus maybe it's the other Mary maybe it's one of the disciples John maybe it's one of those that utters the word Lord, as uh, they look up to their Savior crucified on the cross, but this dying thief catches it, and he realizes this is the one they've been talking about all this time. This is the one who's been doing these miracles. This is the one who has uh, healed the blinded eyes. This is the one who has raised people from the dead. This is the one. And he looks to him, and he says, Lord Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus turned to him and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. In a moment's time, his unbelief was changed and his faith was placed in Jesus Christ 
when Jesus gave him that promise, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, the two sides of the cross remain there yet today. On the left side, the one dying in his unbelief, and on the right side, the one trusting by faith in Jesus Christ. Which side are you on? The, the cross draws all men's attention. The cross draws all men's uh, focus. Which side will you land on? Which side will you decide? It's, the choice is ours, isn't it? The cross is that great divide between the two. And so there's the, the, the blind that we see there. But I want to uh, take a look, too, at something on down that we read about the judgment that came that, that week. There was one judgment that came that week, and there was one judgment that he spoke of that would still be to come. And we see both of those there. The first one that you read about there when Jesus said, uh, the prince of this world is now judged, and now is the time. This week, this time, on the cross, the prince of this world, Satan, would be judged. You see, we're not having to wait for Satan's defeat because it's already occurred. Satan has already been defeated by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. When he became the substitute for the sins of all mankind when he died on Calvary there, when he became that propitiation for my sins and yours and the sins of the whole world, when he became that, Satan was defeated. Now, Satan had a brief period where he thought it would be all right until the third day, until Jesus rose again and stamped forever the seal on Satan's fate. And so it was. Satan was defeated. Sin was judged there on the cross. My sins were judged on the cross. Your sins were judged on the cross. And so he said, now is the judgment of this world. Oh, yes. Your sins aren't waiting to be judged. They've already been judged if you're a child of God. And now, if you're not a child of God, your sins are still yet to be judged. And so, uh, you have, it, it, is, uh, it, is, uh, it is very important that you understand that you want to enter into that judgment that Jesus took care of there in the then and, and, the, and the now that he's talking about. You want to enter into that judgment. You don't want to wait for the second one that's mentioned here uh, that we, as we look on down, this, the coming judgment. You don't want to be part of that one. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid it on Jesus Christ, and that's the one I want to be in on. Uh, you, you are in on that if you're a child of God. But uh, come to Christ today and trust Him as your Savior if you haven't yet done that. But there's the judgment that is yet to come. Look at verse 47, 48. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. That's the purpose the Lord Jesus came for. He didn't come to destroy and judge and, and uh, uh, wreak havoc and uh, do all he could to make sure that as many as possible went to hell. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. In my first coming, I came, I came to save the world, to save the world. And so in verse 48, where's the, where's the responsibility lie? Not with Jesus Christ. It says, he that re rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The word, the spoken word, the written word of God the Bible itself uh, has built into it the judgment for sin that's already occurred 
And if you reject that one and refuse that one and don't believe on that one who, who gave himself for you, then remains only one. There, there remains this day of judgment to come for you. You're, you're going to be this one. You're going to be the one who stands before God and is judged by the word of God and condemned. The Bible said it this way earlier in our series when we were in John 3. It said this, and this is the condemnation that light just come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. If we love our deeds and we love our doings and we love our way and we love our own wants, we can, we have that opportunity, but there remaineth a judgment to come. There remaineth a condemnation to come if we, if we do it our way. <laughs> uh, I urge you not not to go any longer doing it your way. I beg you to come to Christ today and uh, fall under the judgment that's already been taken care of and don't wait another hour for, uh, a, a, uh, for any other reason to, to, uh, to, to chance the possibility of you coming under that second judgment that is to come. You may be able to wait the rest of the day. You may be able to wait the rest of the week or the rest of the month or the rest of the year or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. You may be able to wait, but I don't know that you will. I don't know that. Nobody knows when the line is crossed where God closes the door and says, I'm going to harden their heart. No one knows where that is. Only God knows that. You don't want to gamble with that. That's a foolish gamble. That's a foolish gamble. It's foolish to waste your money and gamble away your funds in Pachanga or someplace. It's a foolish gamble. The house always ultimately wins that one. But the odds are way more serious with this gamble. The gamble of your eternal soul. The gamble of your eternal destiny. Heaven or hell. Salvation and forgiveness or judgment and punishment. Oh, my friend. That is not a gamble you ought to take. And so the coming judgment, uh, uh, come now and, t and, and take Christ. Don't go your own way any longer. It's just not worth it. Anybody that has lived their life and closed their days comes to the end of life. None of them will say, I'm really glad I lived life my way and went my own way and never came to the Lord. I'm, there's none of them that honestly will say that. Uh, there's always regret in the lives of those that live for sin and self. There's always regret in that, whether they admit it or not. So uh, turn today to Christ and, and avoid that coming judgment. It's, it's so uh, simple that even a little child can understand it. There is the chance now for light. That's, that's the thought that uh, we see uh, presenting itself as we go on down in the passage we just read. There's a present chance now is uh, the opportunity for the light. He said in verse 35, he said unto them, Yet a little while, a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. And he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. So he said, while you have the opportunity to respond to the light, do that. Don't wait until the cover of darkness falls and you can't see where you're going and you don't know where you're going. Don't wait. Don't wait. Now is the, the time. 
Now is the accepted time, the Bible tells us. Now is the opportunity that is given to us and the one to which we ought to respond. And then as children of light, you can walk in the light. Young people were over last night and they were playing different games of tag. Our house, our area, our home is up in the hills enough where it gets dark at night when there's no moon out and all the lights are turned off. And so uh, they were going to play some different games and flashlight tag and that. Uh, I think it was Douglas was uh, on the porch there and they chose him. They said, you be the guy that has to find everybody, you know. And so he had to count, you know, to 100 and everybody went and hided. Well, they chose Douglas because he didn't have a flashlight, you know. So, so, <laughs> it just wasn't fair. So, you know, he's stuck on a porch, you know. <laughs> he's a wise man, not wanting to go out in the darkness and not knowing not whither he went. So, so we got him a flashlight, and he was able to, to uh, get the job done that, uh, with that. But, uh, but the, uh, the piercing of the darkness was in the little flashlights all around. And the only way the young people had any idea where they were, where they were going, or how to avoid disaster was to have light, to have a flashlight, to see the direction they were going. And so you don't want to be, uh, to be to the point of the edge of eternity without a flashlight, without the light of Christ, without the light of his hope. You don't want to be in that place, and that's the darkness of unbelief. It's amazing how, how blinded the, uh, that unbelief can make a person. The Bible tells, it, tells us very plainly here that these were people that saw the miracles. In verse 37, though, they had, though he had done so many miracles uh, as far as it was reported or it was rumored, and it doesn't say that, does it? It says, though he had done so many miracles before them, they believed not on him. And some say, well, if I saw miracles, then I'd believe in God. If I saw, if I saw the Red Sea parted, I'd, I'd really fall down and trust Christ as my Savior right there. I'd do that. If I saw somebody rise from the dead, man, I would be the first one to the altar. And Jesus said, that's the problem with unbelief. It blinds you even to the obvious, you know, even to the obvious. The rich man's burning in hell. And he said, send someone to... Cool my tongue in this flame, a drop of water, a drop of water. And uh, the great gulf fixed between Abraham's bosom and Lazarus and the rich man in hell was impassable. And so the rich man said, well, send somebody to tell my five brothers that they don't come to this place. And Abraham said, you know, they have the word and they've rejected that. They would not believe even if someone rose from the dead and told them. And that was made obvious with Lazarus. Uh, the brother of Martha and Mary was raised from the dead and, and blindness of unbelief blinded those to the, to the point where they wanted to kill him again. They knew he was raised from the dead. They knew Jesus had raised him from the dead. They'd seen Jesus' miracles and yet not believe. That's how blinding unbelief is. And so... Uh, my friend, don't get to that place where God does the blinding because you've blinded your, covered your ears and covered your eyes so long that God said, okay, I'll just oblige you on that. Don't come to that place. Don't get to that point of darkness. Don't be like Pharaoh. You read of how God hardened Pharaoh's heart that he would not let the people go. But you carefully read that and you'll see that Pharaoh first hardened his own heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart until God said, okay, you want it that way? We'll make it that way will harden your heart and let it stay that way until you perish 
in the Red Sea. Don't get to that place, my friend. Zechariah 7.11 says it this way, but they refused to hearken. They refused to listen. They pulled away the shoulder. They stopped their ears that they should not hear. That's what the prophet said of the people that rejected the truth and rejected the Lord. That's what the prophet said to them. Uh, don't be that way. Don't stay that way. Uh, open your ears. Open your eyes. Come to Christ. Look at the cross. Look at what he's done for you and come to him. Line yourself up on the right side with, the, with a dying thief that trusted Jesus as his Savior. I thank God that not all of this ended bad. I see some are believers. In, in, in spite of it all, in verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many believed on him. Many, not a few, but many. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's a sad thing. These were Christians. They're in heaven. They're saved. They were like Joseph of Arimathea. They were like Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. But they just hung back from openly professing their faith in Christ. They had conviction uh, to trust Christ as their Savior, but they were cowards as far as standing up for him and speaking uh, out that they believed on him because they would be put out of the synagogue, their careers would be over, their security would be gone, they would have to trust in Christ alone. And a lot of people aren't willing to take that step, you know, of trusting in Christ alone. I want Christ plus my security blanket. And it didn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way. And so these missed out on so much. They missed out on so much. I think, you know, after the, after the resurrection, I'm sure... Many of these that we read about here who had trusted Christ came all out for him and identified with him. I'm certain that that uh, did occur. I know that it happened with Nicodemus, with Joseph of Arimathea. They got to the place where they didn't care anymore what people thought about him, and they stepped out. I'm sure there were others like that as well. But you and I are faced with the same uh, decision today. Are we going to prefer that men like us and that people are okay with us and that we maybe get some praise for, from men, or are we more concerned about pleasing our Savior, pleasing our Lord, and honoring Him with our lives, uh, and giving praise to God? Uh, men love the praise of men more than the approval of God. Now, we ought not to be that way. It's our choice, though. It's our choice. So here it all comes to a conclusion, and we have... The light of the world presented to us here. Jesus Christ, again, reiterating that he is that light. And walk while you have the light. He's telling us that. The light of the world, the need in the world today has never been greater for the light of the world. It's never been more obvious that we need the light of Christ in this world. And I wonder today if you uh, are uh, bearing that light. Now, come to the cross of Christ and trust him as your Savior if you have not. And get on the right side of the cross. And if you are already saved, then Christian, let's us walk in the light. And let's be a carrier of the light. Let's all grab a flashlight, you know. <laughs> let's all grab a flashlight and let's not play uh, in this dark world without the light of Jesus Christ in our hand. Let's do that. Let's stand together and give an invitation. And I want to first encourage you as, as a Christian, if you uh, ought to come and... and uh, Ask the Lord to help you be that light. And, or maybe there's some other matter in your life that needs to be taken care of. And 
you need to come all out for him. Maybe you're a little bit more like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who you've believed on the Lord, you love him, and you've trusted him as your Savior, but you're pretty hesitant about letting anybody know about that. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to, uh, take, to, to step it up a notch there and say, I, you know, I need to, I need to be that, that more faithful witness. I need to be that. So, Christian, you come. Maybe you're here and you, you uh, are led of the Lord to uh, seek a, a church home and you're feeling like maybe this is where God wants you. I want to encourage you to, to, uh, to step out and, and, uh, and come and present yourself for membership if you believe that's what God is leading you to do. Maybe here you have been saved, but you haven't followed the Lord in obedience and baptism. You're not going to be able to grow much past just the basic stages as a Christian if you, if you don't take the first step of obedience and follow the Lord in biblical baptism. I got sprinkled when I was a kid. Well, that's all you did. You got sprinkled. You know, it didn't amount to anything. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you need a biblical baptism. And so I want to encourage you, if you're saved already, but you haven't been biblically baptized, to come and uh, s- submit yourselves for believer's baptism. And then uh, if you're here and you haven't trusted Christ, you don't know for sure that you're a child of God, that you're walking in light, that you're saved today, I urge you to come and trust Jesus. Let's ask, uh, let me ask you to bow your heads. We'll have a word of prayer. Our heads are bowed and nobody's looking around. And would you be one of those that would say, Preacher, the, the word of God spoke to me today. And I, I see that uh, there, there, uh, there may well be something missing in my heart, I'm not sure, I'm not certain if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Can you lift your hand up and let me pray for you? Uh, no one looking around. All right, I see that hand. and uh, All right, and that one. You may put them down. There's somebody else, Pastor. I'm not sure. I know I need to get this settled. Pray for me. Here's my hand. Would you lift it, lift it up and let me see it? All right. Father, we pray for these that indicated uh, a desire to to uh, find the truth and to know the truth, I pray, Lord, that you'd give them the grace and the help and the courage and the faith to come. I know you do all the hard stuff. You do all the parts that we can't do, but I pray that they'd just be willing, be willing to turn from their own way and repent, trust you as their Savior. And, Lord, I ask that you'd help them to take that step of faith today. Now, Lord, I pray for us Christians, myself included here, we all... Lord, we all lack the boldness that we need sometimes, and we all know we're more like Nicodemus than uh, Paul. And so, Father, we pray that uh, you'd help us to be more bold in our testimony and more faithful in carrying the, f- the light of God's word to a needy world. We pray that you'd help us uh, with that in our personal testimony. Help us be more faithful in our walk. Help us walk in the light uh, while we have the light. And, uh, we pray that you would cause Christians to react and respond to your Holy Spirit's leading as well. Pray for those that need a church home if they're not already plugged in someplace in a good Bible-believing church that you would uh, uh, lead them, that you'd guide them. If, it's, if they're supposed to be serving you here with us, I pray that you'd make that plain to them. And uh, Father, I just ask that uh, you would just uh, help those that are just going to use the altar as a place to make... Um, take some time with you on some matters maybe maybe that it hasn't even been touched upon in the message today but your spirit is working in their heart I pray that you'd answer and respond and help them too Lord we pray your blessing and invitation time in Jesus name amen and as we sing 535 just put your hymn book down and just come if the uh, if the Lord has uh, has uh, led you to come come and be saved come and pray come and 
trust Christ, come and follow the Lord in baptism, come and uh, kneel at the altar, whatever the need is, you come as we sing 535.